long distance. Thank you. I am sorry, they do not answer. I will call you in about 20 minutes. Mr. Brown is not expected until tomorrow. Will you speak with anyone else? Pleasant, dependable service from pleasant, dependable people. That's the heart of the telephone business. Yeah, that goes back a while. That was from the mid-50s. That was a Bell, uh, a Bell documentary or a Bell uh, promotional video from the U.S. Uh, lots of things have changed since then. You can tell um, all the operators, of course, were women. The, man, the VO was being done by a man. All the technicians were men. I mean, it was a different world back then. But, you know, service, whether it be directory assistance or the operator, was a really big selling point for the phone company. I mean, it was a monopoly at the time. Um, so good service was part of what they prided themselves on. Uh, operators, directory assistance. Uh, I don't remember this far back. I mean, I remember calling operators for long distance phone calls. I certainly remember calling directory assistance or 411 to find a phone number. But, you know, there were a time you could even call for the time. I suppose you could have done that earlier or still up until not that long ago. The weather, apparently, a very long time ago. Well, all that has obviously started to change. I mean, digitization, smartphones. I mean, there was a time, of course, where all that was available. We stopped getting the phone book because all of it was available online. Um, and then slowly but surely, those other services have started to disappear as well. Um, recently, AT&T, the big American telecom, announced that digital landline customers uh, will no longer be able to dial 411 or 0 to reach a human being to, or to reach an operator or to get directory assistance. They had already scrapped those services for wireless callers a few years ago. Those with home phone landlines at AT&T as well are okay for now. Um, other U.S. and Canadian carriers still offer these services, but for a fee. But much like the payphone, and those have all but disappeared, there are still a few payphones near where I live. Uh, I live right off uh, Victoria's Chinatown, the second oldest in North America, and they still have the odd payphone there. I mean, I, I rarely see anyone use them, uh, clearly, but they still have a few that are around. But, you know, New York City got rid of all their payphones a while back. You know, these are the symbols of another age, of the great, the golden age of the telephone, of the landline, so to speak, that are slowly but surely fading from view. Uh, in some ways, it's it's surprising it's taken this long, isn't it? I mean, it's surprising that phone books stayed around for as long as they did. I mean, even my job, we used to spend time as, as a cub reporter looking through phone books. We had phone books for every city. And when I was working in Montreal, we had phone books for all the suburbs, if they were separate, uh, for other cities in the province. And you would dig through them. As a researcher working in Quebec City, I used to dig through phone books looking for English-sounding names. So, you know, because this was an English radio station I was working at, English-speaking. Uh, but that's all faded away in, in my adulthood, which is always <laughs> sobering. Uh, but we then start to forget how much of an impact the telephone had. You know, the landline, the busy signal, uh, call waiting, the extended phone cord, party lines, having more than one phone in the house. Um, all that stuff now sounds like relics of a different time. Uh, there's a funny video online now, if you go look for it on YouTube, of two 17-year-olds trying to figure out how to use a dial phone. Um, you know, just perplexed by it. Like, what could this, how do you possibly make this work? Um, but we forget a little bit about just how much of an impact the phone had. It's not documented that much, just how much of an impact the, the phone had on our lives throughout the 20th century and how important some of those things like 411 and operator services and all that were 
to that entire ecosystem, to use a modern term, and how quickly they're all fading from view, a bit like the horse-drawn cart. It will happen. This is what progress looks like, right? And some of us may be nostalgic for the time you could pick up the phone and dial 411 and get a phone number. Or if you look at some of those old videos, in one, an operator helps a gentleman who's had a car crash, and he's supposed to be meeting his wife, and he's not. She's in another city. He calls the operator, and she helps track the wife down and connects them. Now, that seems, that seems like a stretch to me, but you know that's the kind of service you would get in that time. Well, to talk about this, we wanted to find someone who was documenting the history of the telephone in 20th century North America. And oddly enough, there really aren't that many of them. One of them is Josh Lauer, and he's an associate professor of communication at the University of New Hampshire. He's working on a book on the history of the telephone in 20th century North America, in America, really, but we'll call it North America. And he joins me now. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Well, this feels like a real end of an era. You know, I, I don't think I've used information or 411, as we call it here in Canada. I don't think I've used it in years and years and years. But when I saw that AT&T was going to pull the plug on it in America, you sort of figured, okay, well, that's the first domino to fall. And uh, I got a bit nostalgic about it, to be frank. Well, I think you're right. I, when the news of 411's cancellation broke, I think a lot of people were surprised that it even existed anymore, uh, sort of like payphones, which, you know, disappeared as well. And, you know, when the last payphones were pulled off the streets of New York last year, I believe, uh, many people were nostalgic, but they also probably hadn't used a payphone in a really long time. And it's uh, it applies to operator service as well, more generally. So it's just a, like your ability to speak to another human being working for the phone company has become very limited all of a sudden. Yeah, and I think that's the you know sort of the the big draw of the story of the cancellation or the termination of four one one. It's it's just another uh, instance where it's a lack of human connection, and that you know instead of talking to a human being or even imagining that we could talk to a human being on the other end, uh, now we won't be able to, and we'll just be in you know automated phone trees uh, for the rest of time. If we dial back the years a bit, pardon the pun. Operator and 411 service was a pretty important feature uh, for phone, a selling point for phone companies way back when. Well, it's true because you have to think in the before times, before the internet, the source for phone numbers was the telephone directory. Uh, there's big volumes that would be dumped at your doorstep periodically. And uh, if you did not have a number, it's, it's not as though you could you know, go to the internet and, and look for that information. So uh, people relied on the telephone book, but they also relied on operators and the specialized information service that you could call and uh, had them help you with that particular service. Starting in the early 20th century, there were operators who specialized in information service. They were designated information operators, and their their role was to field all the calls that came in from people looking to find phone numbers and to provide that kind of assistance. Wow, it's like early Google, as you put it, as you put it. Well, it's a little bit like early Google because uh, initially the telephone operators were not, uh, they did not have a specialized information services function. So they did receive calls from all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. They might want directions. They might want to look for the location of a particular person in a town with uh, very vague information about their description or their relationship to other people, uh, people in the neighborhood. It was only later that the information services sort of, you know, became segmented as a, a specialized service. But the telephone companies also offered uh, time and weather information. So it wasn't unusual for people to expect that they could call an operator and receive some of that kind of information. 
I have memories of calling, you know, calling 411 and getting really good service or even calling the operator, you know, trying to make a long distance call and getting really, really sometimes, you know, often it was just uh, functional, but sometimes you'd get really personalized service if you were struggling with something. And it was, uh, it was, it was endearing. For most of the 20th century, the Bell Telephone Company prided itself on the service of its operators. That was one of its major selling points. Uh, in the United States, the Bell system was a regulated monopoly, so they had incentive to tout their service mandate and their service function. And uh, so information was just one one of many of their services where uh, it was free for uh, most of the 20th century. People could call. And uh, Bell Telephone was continuously advertising, you know, the the service features of their operators, their courtesy and efficiency and knowledge. Yeah, it feels like a very different way of uh, marketing phones these days. When you look at what's happened with, AT- with AT&T, I gather other carriers in the U.S. still do provide this service for a fee. I mean, here in Canada, it's the same. Uh, but one suspects, like everything, as you mentioned, the pay phones earlier, that once AT&T went ahead with this, that just about everyone's going to follow suit pretty fast, you, you would think. Yeah, and... So as I mentioned, uh, information directory assistance, as it was called uh, after the 1960s, used to be a free service, and it was hugely expensive for the telephone companies to to provide that service. So in some big cities, for example, Los Angeles and New York, they would receive as many as a million calls a day um, wow. from people for directory assistance. So you know it wasn't just a handful of operators who were fielding those calls; it was you know there were lots of them. And uh, they had giant directories in front of them before it was computerized. So it was, it was a major uh, operation to provide that kind of service. And uh, during the early 1970s, some of the Bell companies tried to impose a fee for information. And many people were very upset about that because, uh, like I said, they were used to information as uh, a service that was provided by a regulated monopoly, of, you know, a kind of a quasi-public utility in the United States. And the idea that you know, you would suddenly be charge a surcharge for that uh, was offensive. Although a lot of us haven't used directory assistance in a long time, it still feels like yet another example of those who probably still do. I'm thinking of my late grandmother who used directory assistance, would call the operator when she was making a long-distance call. I'm thinking that once again, we're cutting out uh, an older segment of the population. Now, I'm not saying they don't know how to look up a phone number on the internet, but it feels like, again, a certain segment of people are being deprived of that uh, of that service they were used to for a lifetime. I think that's true. In fact, I've heard from some older folks, either directly or indirectly, about how the loss of 411 uh, is really sad to them and feels like uh, a way that they are cut off technologically from the rest of the world. I mean, I don't use 411, and I suspect uh, most people who are younger do not, but there are certainly uh, people who, who do rely on 411 and uh, you know will absolutely miss the uh, ability to be able to connect with the human operator under those circumstances. Josh Lauer is with us this half hour, an associate professor of communication at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, we're talking about the end of 411 and operator service. AT&T uh, in America has decided to put an end to that service now. Uh, other carriers continue to provide it for a fee, same as here in Canada. Uh, Josh, you're really looking at the history of the, the importance of the telephone in 20th century America. I suppose we can pull Canada into that too, because we are right beside each other. Um but this really feels like, I mean, the pay phones went away. First of all, we stopped having dial phones. Most home, a lot of homes don't have landlines anymore. Then the pay phones went away and now the operator service. It feels like bit by bit, we're watching that part of our history, our communication history disappear. I think that's true. When you think about the history of the telephone, 
we really live in a different world now than we used to live in with uh, a telephone that was provided, again, uh, in the United States, at least by a regulated monopoly treated like a quasi-public utility with landlines that were shared by family members or households. So, you know, the idea that each person has their own phone number attached to a mobile phone um, is very different from having a, a household telephone number that is shared. Right. And also that the fact that there were public pay phones that people shared as well. So it wasn't just that the telephone was shared uh, at in households, but you know, individuals shared a public phone. And there were many, many public phones throughout you know, cities and towns. It was uh, something that was, uh, you know, ubiquitous. And so, you know, it's another technology that, uh, that we've mostly forgotten about. And as I said, you know, last year when the last public payphones were taken out of New York City, it caused uh, sort of a, a spate of uh, nostalgia and remembrance. But, but the idea of sharing a, a telephone is really become foreign. I mean, it's a personal device now attached to, you know, a personal computer uh, in our pockets. And, you know, the, the end of an- landlines, the, the end of public telephones, and then the end of 411 is all part of this, um, you know, this uh, uh, removal of a shared resource. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, though, that I can still remember many of the phone numbers that I had to dial as a kid, you know, my grandmother's, my own, my best friends, you know, I remember a lot of those phone numbers, I couldn't remember my own phone numbers beyond the last (laughs) few, to be honest, I mean, it really does change the way one's relationship with the phone is built in many ways, I guess that's what you're looking into in some ways. Yeah, and it's it's funny, because uh, one of the problems with directory assistance 411 that the telephone companies complained about was the people were simply too lazy to look up numbers. So yes, you know they might have remembered the numbers of people that they called a lot, but instead of using a telephone book, they would just call 411. And the telephone companies were getting very frustrated by this because they thought, you know, you have your directories, you should yeah, at least this, uh, give this make, huge make book. a small effort exactly. to do this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and in uh, the early 1970s in uh, Washington D.C., the the local telephone operating company had a recording on their information desk and or their information line, and it basically said, "Why don't you look up the number first on your own?" And if the person <laughs> stayed on the line for eight to ten seconds, a human operator would finally come on and you know take their call. But I mean, this this effort to uh, get people to to do their own work, to outsource that work to to people rather than to let them rely on just calling and having an operator provided for them. So I know this is um, more fodder for your, for, for, I mean, I know you're not working on, a, it's not a detective novel, you're working on more of an academic uh, look into the history of the phone, but what was your inspiration for it? I mean, I, I, it seems like a really obvious one, no offense, seems like a really obvious one to want to write about because the phone occupied such an important part of, of our lives for the, in the 20th century, if you were growing up then. Yeah. And so the world that we live in now, this expectation of having communication, convenience, having instant connection with others 24 hours a day, every day of the year, you know, that's something that interests me because I kind of want to understand how that became normal. We accept it now and we think of it as being just a function of computers and mobile phones. But in reality, there's a, a much longer history of telephones sort of entering into everyday life entering into public space through uh, public pay phones, for example. And this expectation that, you know, we can be reached quickly, efficiently, instantly at any time is, is an idea that is much longer than just mobile phones and computers. And that's sort of the story that I'm trying to figure out. It is a little bit like a detective novel. I mean, it's a oh. detective, uh, detective novel of, of cultural history and trying to understand how, how ideas develop in a society and how, how people begin to take for granted uh, these kinds of assumptions. 
Right. Really, the evolution of it, of seeing the, the landline as just a step towards what we have now. Um, I mean, can you imagine? I remember people used to take the phone off the hook and you couldn't get a hold of them. I mean, I can't imagine someone doing that today. It, yeah, it would seem very passive aggressive uh, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or even the busy signal. It's been a long time since I've heard one, but uh, the frustration <laughs> of hearing a busy signal, try if they were on the phone forever to all those things that would be very hard to explain to anyone under the age of 25 these days. Well, I a few years ago, I had to explain to my younger children what a, what a payphone was. So uh, it you know hasn't been that long. <laughs> at a at a dial phone, God forbid. <laughs> yeah. That would be very foreign uh, to them. Uh, Josh Lauer, thank you so much. Thank you.